Good evening and welcome to the second of two debates that we are having here on KZYX. I'm your host, W. Dan, and I am joined by Alicia Bales, who will be keeping time. This is our third district candidate debate, and it will be between uh, John Haschak and Clay Romero, who are joining us by Zoom. Uh, this is the northwest quadrant of the county, Willits, Laytonville, and Covalo. And residents of the 3rd District will be eligible, eligible to vote for one of these two gentlemen for supervisor. We have flipped a coin, and uh, the challenger, Clay Romero, has won the toss. And so he will start with a three-minute opening statement, and he will be followed by John Haschek. And then we will go into a series of questions that we have. And at 7 o'clock... Half an hour from now, we will open the phone lines for you, the listeners, to call in with follow-ups or questions of your own that we didn't uh, we didn't cover. So, without further ado, Mr. Uh, Romero, the floor is yours. Oh, hang on, hang on, Mr. Romero, hang on. I did not have you potted up. Excuse me. All right. Okay. Without further ado, Mr. Romero, you are on the air. Oh, good evening. How about that? I'm Clay Romero, and I'm running for a third district supervisor. Uh, I graduated in 1978 from Laytonville High School and have, for the most part, been in the third district for uh, just about 48 years. I know that the, the people here in the area quite well. I'm primarily a self-employed machinist that fixes or repairs many things. I've made uh, parts for uh, automating the assembly of printed circuit boards, as well as a wide variety of parts for all kinds of mechanical applications. Uh, I did my part for bringing down the cost of computers over the years. I build things uh, that simply don't exist anywhere in the world. I've also been politically active for about 30 years, but uh, please don't call me a politician. Uh, allow me to give you the definition of politics. It comes from the Greek word poly, which means many, and Ticks, which we all recognize as blood-sucking pests. I want to uh, reform county policy to make it easier and cheaper to do business with the, with the county. Uh, the people of this county should be treated like excellent customers who deserve good customer service while getting prompt and valuable service for their dollar. My business is based on this concept, and the people of Mendocino County deserve nothing less. Uh, I also oppose the COVID-19 uh, virus government mandates. Uh, I'm appalled by the county's overbearing approach. Uh, these government-mandated policies have caused difficulty for many businesses, with some, some businesses uh, lose uh, a closing just outright. Uh, I know it's not been very good for our health in some respects also. I know that the government issuing mandates for being vaccinated is also against the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution. It was insulting that our appointed public health officer issued a public health order that defined a COVID-19 case so broadly as to include that may simply have, someone may simply have the common cold. And he further stated that the health officer may take additional actions, which may include detention or requiring one to stay at a health facility or other location to protect the public's health if, if an individual who is subject to this order violates or fails to comply with this order. 
violation of this order is also a misdemeanor punishable by imprisonment, fine, or both. Uh, I think this is unconstitutional. And this is the type of talk I would expect from those who run a Russian gulag prison camp. We must never let this happen again. Thank you. All right. That was Clay Romero. And now John Hashchak with his opening statement. All right. Good evening, everyone. My name's John Haschak, and um, I'm third district supervisor. I was elected for my first term three and a half years ago, and um, I'm running for a second term. Uh, I was um, raised in Willits, went to Willits Public Schools, and then after that, I went to university, graduated, went into the Peace Corps in Guatemala, where I served two and a half years. And then I came back to Mendocino County, worked with migrant farm workers for several years um, doing parent education. And um, then I was offered a job at Willits High School where I was an alum and um, taught Spanish there for 18 years. And then I moved down to um, elementary school where I taught for 10 years um, English language development and um, regular third grade classes. So I've um, 30 years in the Willits Public Schools, and then I ran for this. While I was in the public schools, I was very involved in the union. I was the president of the the Willits Teachers Association for 20 years, more or less. And I was also involved in the California Teachers Association. Um, I was a budget chair for seven years, which was the first longest term in in history of the California Teachers Association. Um, Since then, you know, as a supervisor, I've been working on good government. You know, when I was running for supervisor last time, the supervisors had just given themselves an almost 40% raise. I said that wasn't right. I was not going to take that raise. I created a scholarship with that money. And since um, I've been elected, I've given out $27,000 of scholarships for students in Willits, Laytonville, and Covalo. Um, and then, you know, I've been working on safe communities. I've been working on these emergency access routes, climate change issues, which um, create wildfires um, and also drought situations that we're um, dealing with. Um, tree mortality, those are all issues that. Um, caused by climate change and create safer communities, we have to do better. And um, and then also the economy. And I've been working on um, career and technical education, broadband, certainly the cannabis issues that have plagued the county, and then um, water. Water is a crucial part of our economy too. So, so I'm John Haschak. I'm running again for another four years and to keep working on this, making our government better, our economy, and safer communities. All right. That concludes the opening statements of both uh, candidates. So we will start in with the questions, and they will have two minutes each to answer questions and uh, a minute each for rebuttals at the end of questioning. Uh, The question is, uh, to you, Mr. Haschak, what is the biggest obstacle Mendocino County government faces, and what concrete policy proposals do you have to address it? Uh, 
Well, right now, I would say it's balancing the budget. But um, with that, you know, it's, it's the issue of good governance. And how do we create a government that's more accountable, more accessible, and transparent to the community? Um, so, so I've been doing some things, you know, with accessibility. I've certainly um, been communicating with the people of the 3rd District. I think that's crucial to let people know what's going on in government. And we need to have that back and forth. You know, if the people don't feel informed, then um, distrust comes. Um, accountability is that we need to have a government that really services the people and provides customer service, provides communication, and um, lets, lets everyone know what the rules are and how best to, um, to adhere to them. And then transparency, you know, we've been working on trying to get the, the budget into a form that the people can, can access. You know, we're dealing with the budget right now, and uh, people are wondering what's going on. Why did we go from all this time of plenty to, to operational deficits? And um, there's some questions there. And so, you know, we've got a new computer system that's problematic or has taken too long to get up and running. And so what we need to do is make sure that the people are informed, that the people feel like they have access to their elected leaders, and that we're providing the information in a way that they can access. All right. Uh, Mr. Romero, what is the biggest obstacle Mendocino County government faces, and what concrete policy proposals do you have to address them? You're on mute. Mr. Romero, I believe you're on mute. There we go. There you are. Yeah, okay, sorry about that. Well, you know, uh, among the things that I'm hearing a, a great deal about uh, from the people that want to see me get elected is uh, just dealing with the county for getting a permit for, you know, building or maybe it had something to do with cannabis or, or just any other one of a number of reasons. And they're they're telling me that the uh, the building department is, well, holding up the works. Uh, what I would like to do is incentivize things for the uh, county to reform policy to where when somebody wants to get a, uh, a permit or some sort of uh, permission to to accomplish some good and legal work, that it, it should be much, much cheaper. We should not be asking people for money up front in order to uh, accomplish simple things. I think of a, there was a, a man that I heard about that he had to build a road from the county road out to his property, which is a significant distance. And uh, the county wanted $40,000 up front for him. I had another friend that uh, he, he just simply wanted to change the zoning on his property, which is right there on, on 101 in Laytonville, from residential to commercial. And the county requested that he come up with $11,000 up front to, for that to be considered. I think these things are just completely unacceptable, and and it prevents people from doing good things. I think that if if the county uh, uh, incentivizes and 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 gives uh, a lot more grace to these people to be able to move ahead without beating them over the head, I think that their their property will be worth a whole lot more, 
they'll ultimately end up paying uh, more uh, uh, property taxes because of the increased value of their property. And uh, I think the people would be a lot happier. Yeah, thank you. All right, Mr. Hashtag, you have one minute for rebuttal or augmentation, if you like. Well, I'm, I'm a little surprised that Mr. Romero's answer to that, because if you're comparing the county's response to COVID to a Russian gulag, I would think that that would be your, your big issue instead of permits. With that said, um, I do think that the county government needs to be more efficient in the way it deals with permits, but we do have huge issues with water, with um, safety, with um, safe access routes, with climate change and tree mortality. You know, we've got our share of, um, you know, illegal cannabis grows and the um, understaffing of the sheriff's office. So we have a whole list of um, issues that are really critical that we need to deal with. All right, Mr. Romero, if you like, you have another minute to uh, respond. Well, of course, uh, you know, uh, that that's that's a primary issue. Of course, the other issue does, in fact, deal with the issue of the uh, uh, COVID-19 uh, government mandates. I, I thought they were very heavy handed and uh, certainly a, a, a huge uh, overreach of, of government. So. Um, with that, I'll, I'll, I'll let it go there. But the, that's that. That's probably the two main things I, I would I would point to. Yeah. Thanks a bunch. All right. So, Mr. Romero, you can lead on this question. It has to do with the county budget. There is a county budget shortfall this year, and several funding areas where numbers are not yet currently available to the public or even to the board of supervisors. What can be done to create more financial transparency into county finances? And who is responsible for it, and why should voters care about it? Oh boy, there's a, there's there's a there's a, a big thing to be opened. Uh, you know, I, I think in order to to be transparent, I, I you know I did look up the the county budget online, and I could see that. But if there's things that are certainly not available to the supervisors or to the public, uh, I. I th- you know, I, I think something like this does come right down to the the supervisors uh, voting in in favor of making this transparent and who is responsible for it. I think that they are ultimately responsible for this sort of thing. So, if there's anything other than that, uh, it it really should be borne by the supervisors who are, in fact, answerable to the very people that elected them. Yeah, thanks. All right. Mr. Hashcheck, the same question to you. If you'd like, I can repeat that. It has to do with the county budget and the shortfall. Um, and uh, who's responsible for it and why should voters care about it? Well, like I said before, we, um, we've we had a lot of money coming into the county from the CARES Act, from the PG&E funds, and from ARPA funds. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, we have this um, operational shortfall. So I think what we need to do is we need to look at our revenues. We need to find ways to increase the revenues. And um, there's certainly some ways we've, um, we're pursuing the property taxes that haven't been paid. We're pursuing um, short-term rentals that might not be paid. There's other ways. Um, and I don't think that we need to increase taxes right now. Um, but we also need to look at cutting our expenditures too. 
and we need to see how we can do things more efficiently and um, streamline. One of the things that the rest of the supervisors voted on was this consolidation of the financial offices of the treasurer and the tax treasurer tax collector office with the auditor controller office. And I, I did not vote for that because I talked to both of those office holders and they both said it was a very bad idea to move forward in that direction. And I think that we're um, part of this lack of information at this point is a result of that and it um it could get worse before it gets better you know we have a new operational system that they're still trying to deal with and that's a that's an issue um so i think that to get more transparency you know we should um give those people you know we had the treasurer tax collector retire and because she didn't feel like she was being heard by the supervisors, I think we need to respect the people in those posts, listen to what they have to say, and then move forward in that way. All right. The same question to you, Mr. Romero, about the uh, no, uh, excuse me, that's a rebuttal. You have a minute. Excuse me. You have one minute to uh, rebut or expand on what you had said before. Well, you know, there's a uh, there's another issue that. Uh, concerns me, and that deals with the unfunded liabilities of pension plans, which are a part of the public sector. Uh, I think I think it would be very, very wise to take any of the new employees and have things transition over into a private sector. Now, I, I'm going to use the term 401k pension plan, although I don't think that that's exactly correct. But it would have to be something that's more of a private type of, of uh, investment as opposed to the, the, the public sector. In this way, the county would not be having to come up with a, a lot of money every month. Uh, currently, with 1,100 or 1,140 employees who are uh, working for the county and 1,600 people, roughly, that are, are drawing a pension, this is upside down. So it means that the county is going to have to come up with roughly uh, $3.2 um, $3 million a month to, to service it. Thank you. All right. We've, uh, we've got uh, one more minute for you, Mr. Hashtag, if you'd like to uh, respond or rebut. Well, certainly in the county, we have an issue with um, finding enough employees to do some of the jobs that are needed. And um, one of the perks of being a county employee is to have a, a pension. You know, I'm a part of a pension system from the California um, state teachers retirement system and I think that the county employees are part of CalPERS and um, that's part of the package when you go into public service service you get that package I think that uh, Mr. Romero's idea is uh, not very well founded or thought out and um, but getting back to the budget you know we do need to push for greater transparency we need to get those reports and I've um, called the auditor's office and asked, you know, is there anything I can do to help out getting those reports? Because, um, you know, it's a huge task at this point, and um, we need to do better. All right. We will move on to our next question. And, uh, Mr. Hashtag, you will lead on this one. It has to do with reproductive rights. 
In light of the U.S. Supreme Court's leaked draft decision overturning Roe v. Wade, what are your thoughts on abortion and what will you do about health care access for women in Mendocino County? Well, I support abortion rights. And what can the county do to help this situation out? You know, we just saw, uh, well, this draft of a Supreme Court decision, which was incredibly awful. And the takeaway rights from people is um, it's a Supreme Court that's really out of control right now, I think. Um, and we don't know what other rights rights will be taken away with this ruling. So LBGTQ <laughs> um, rights could be taken away, um, same-sex marriage, all those things, you know. And so, so what do we do about it as a county for women's rights and making sure that abortion is um, accessible to people? We, we provide education. We provide the funding. We do whatever it takes at the county can do. Um, one thing I've been working on is um, this community health worker program. And that's really to get the information out to people, to reach people in all communities of the county, to get them um, educated, to provide the services where they are in the language that um, they speak from people who they trust. And so we need to be including everyone because we know that these, these decisions like this abortion rights or taking away any abortion right is going to affect those people who are poorest and um, don't have access to travel, don't have access to um, you know, stable health care. And I think the county has an obligation to make sure that we provide for the health and safety of all people. All right. Mr. Romero, reproductive rights, a woman's right to an abortion, and uh, health care access for women in Mendocino County. Your thoughts? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I disagree with, with John. Uh, I, uh, I, I value the, uh, the rights of uh, the, the unborn. I think that uh, if uh, abortion were to continue on, uh, I, I think it would be a, a, an, an incredible an incredible tragedy. Now, I'm I'm very much a, a pro-choice guy in so many ways, but I I I have to stop at, at the issues when it comes to abortion because there is in fact a life that is dying, and uh, I find that quite reprehensible. I uh, I certainly want to see uh, women get get good care, uh, just just like uh, anybody else would. And I uh, think that in, in terms of a choice, I think the choice is actually really made before the child is ever conceived. And I, I think that's probably the important thing that, that we need to keep in mind. You just can't uh, say that, uh, that a child uh, that's unborn has, has very, very little value when the choice to, to have that child was already made before before the, the abortion was ever considered. By the time it gets to an issue of whether you're thinking about an abortion, uh, the, the decision has already been made at, at that point, and you just have to go with what you have and be responsible. And, uh, and certainly for the man, uh, he needs to be responsible too to take care of that child. I think it's the proper and the right thing to do. 
anyway, I sure appreciate the question. Thank you. All right, Mr. Hashek, if you'd like, uh, you have one minute. Like we've seen in the news lately with the Ukraine situation, you know, um, pregnancies are not always a choice. That there are many situations in this world that uh, are inflicted upon people, and um, it's it's a tragedy. It's a horrific situation, and I think that we need to we have to provide um, choice for people who are suffering. Um, and and at the same time, we need to take care of the people after, you know, babies that are born. You know, I'm a proud member of the First Five Commission. We're looking at prenatal and perinatal care. You know, we need to take care of people all along, not just the fetuses that some people focus on, but um, babies, young adults, adults, elderly. So thank you. All right, Mr. Romero, you have one minute. Well, uh, you know, I, I certainly agree that that uh, we, we need to take good care of our children. However, in terms of the overall stability of the country, if everybody uh, operated in, under the terms of uh, having an abortion just as a means of birth control, which is largely what's going on, uh, I would say that... Uh, it would be detrimental to the, the, the stability of the country. Uh, people that are uh, willing to, to be responsible and take care of their children are the very people that are, are going to make the country more stable that, rather than people that are for uh, ab aborting uh, the unborn child, which I should point out that the unborn child has no voice and basically has no choice. So that's, that's my stance on it. Thank you. All right. We'll move on to our next question, and this uh, question will be for you, uh, Mr. Uh, Romero, to lead with. Envir okay. Environment and fire safety. After a decade of deferred maintenance that led to multiple deadly wildfires, including the Redwood Complex fire in 2017, PG&E is currently using an exemption to clear trees around their power lines. Please explain your position on PG&E's Enhanced Vegetation Management Program and when it, whether you think more oversight and public input is needed. Uh, you know, I've been hearing about this lately. Uh, now, from, from just my own neighborhood that I've seen, it looks, it looks like it's something that's very fair. I don't, I don't see anything inordinately wrong. However, I'm, I'm getting some very disturbing reports from people saying that there's uh, many trees that are being cut down that... Are, are healthy they're they're not near power lines this sort of thing so i'm not quite quite sure on on what the exact story there is but it, it's something i certainly would want to look look into further uh i think that pg&e is uh, justifiably uh very uh concerned uh and and worried because they suffered a, a tremendous uh loss in court where they had to pay an, an inordinate amount of money uh, for for something that they were probably more distracted about than actually you know taking care of it, I think their maintenance had suffered as they were focusing more on uh, issues concerning uh, the environment and trying to make things uh, more more uh, sustainable. But in the process, I think that they probably uh, 
maybe are more have more de- neglected the general maintenance of their system, which could have had a, a factor in the fire. Nonetheless, when somebody gets a, a huge, huge uh, settlement uh, against them, they, the uh, PG&E would want to avoid that as much as possible. Uh, but I nonetheless would want to uh, inquire as to why I'm getting so many reports from people saying that they're cutting down trees that just really aren't necessary to cut down. And I, I think that's a, a worthy endeavor to check out. So, yeah, thank you very much. All right, Mr. Haschak, you have two minutes. Uh, if you'd like, I can repeat the question, or do you understand the general idea of what we were talking about? Yeah, I think I understand it. Okay. <laughs> so I would think that a person running for supervisor would have already checked this out because this is a huge issue in our county. Um, the supervisors just came up with a letter to ask requesting a moratorium on this enhanced vegetation management program from PG&E. We sent it to the governor. And, um, you know, what we've seen lately is PG&E, which they suffered from, like my opponent says, they suffered and didn't do the general maintenance because they were too concerned about the environment. Well, that's not what I hear. I really hear that uh, they were trying to maximize profits for their stakeholders. And, um, and so they didn't do a lot of the things that they needed to do, which was like putting the power lines underground or these um, the technology switches that will turn the power line off immediately when it's broken. Um, so they didn't do the required maintenance, and now they're trying to clear-cut their way through Mendocino County. And what I would really like to see is for PG&E to stop what they're doing right now and then to meet with the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council, the fire departments, agencies, and the people who are working on healthy forests and come up with a plan that is a win-win for the communities. Because I think that, you know, that is a win-win for the communities. Because I think that, you know, some of our forests are overgrown. Some people are actually, you know, happy to have some trees removed. But it needs to be done in a way that's promoting healthier forest instead of creating more hazards. You know, what I've been seeing is that they're cutting down the trees, they're leaving them. Brush is going to be growing up in the next few years. It's going to be more of a fire hazard. So if we could collaborate with PG&E, um, we could do a win-win. All right. I will give you each one minute to uh, rebut, uh, starting with you, Mr. Romero, but... It's the top okay. of the hour. It's 7 o'clock. I need to let people know that they are listening to KZYX Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits, and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Your local public Mendocino County public radio station, we are having a candidate's debate for the uh, third district between Clay Romero and John Hashchak, and we will move into this rebuttal, but I wanted to let people know that we've come to the uh, the time when you can call in and ask questions, and I will put you on hold. So if you'd like to call in, you can do that at 895-2448, 707-895-2448. All right, Mr. Romero, you have one minute for rebuttal or a response of some kind. Well, you know, I was thinking about how uh, John was talking about uh, how uh, they want PG&E to get together with people to determine the best course of action for win-win. But uh, you know what I, 
what's 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 a little lost in this conversation is when they're talking about what's best to do. Uh, they want to use all of PG&E's money. It's not like they're going to pull money out of their wallet. And I think it's maybe a little disingenuous to uh, expect uh, PG&E to do everything. So I I think that uh, there, there is there is a problem here. I think it, it needs to be addressed. I, I don't want to see PG&E get get uh, impacted any more than they already have. But at the same time, if there's trees coming down that are not supposed to be coming down, I, I, I would want to oppose that. So that, that's about all I have on that. Thank you. All right, Mr. Hashak, you have a minute. Well, this PG&E issue is part of the climate change issue that we're really dealing with. You know, we're dealing with tree mortality on a huge scale in our county. We're dealing with drought, you know, that we haven't seen in 1,200 years, according to the scientists. We're dealing with um, long, dry, hotter summers. And so how do we deal with all of these issues that are causing, you know, great fear and anxiety amongst people? You know, so I've been working on emergency access routes. I've been working on um, drought issues such as um, conservation and water storage issues. Um, we need to be looking at this whole thing, and PG&E does not seem to be um, helping the situation at this point. You know, we're seeing clear cuts that are going to cause erosion in the future. So let's work together to make it a better situation for everyone. All right. So we ended with that question. I did have somebody that called in. Go ahead and call back, caller, 707-895-2448, and we'll put you on the air with your question. Uh, callers, when you call in, please be concise. We don't want you to make statements or to campaign for either candidate. But if you have a, con a question, uh, we will be more than happy to let you ask that question on the air. Again, the number is 707 895 2448. And since I don't have any questions, I'm going to move on to the next question that I've got here. Uh, it has to do uh, as well with PG&E, uh, a little bit different though, drought and climate. How do you think climate change will affect our county and what steps need to be taken to make our communities resilient? What specific policy ideas do you have for climate resi resiliency in Mendocino County? If you don't believe in human-caused climate change, please tell listeners what sources you rely on for information about climate change. Mr. Hashchak, you have two minutes. Oh, you're on mute. You're, Mr. Hashchak, you're on mute. All right. Thank you. There you go. So I do believe in climate change. And we're seeing the effects every day. You know, we're seeing um, that the tree mortality, like I was just talking about, is huge. I can look out my window here and see hundreds of trees out there that are dead. I can, when I drive to Ukiah, there's thousands of trees. Okay. Um, that's one issue of climate change. You know, the fire preparedness, we really need to be working on this. Okay, so I've been working on emergency access routes the whole time I've been supervisor, and we got an emergency access route. And thanks to Mr. Romero, he signed the paper, an MOU, a memo of understanding to help us get the FERCO road open. Um, but we need, we have a lot of one way in, one way out communities in our county. And this was a pilot program that we did with the county, uh, 
called the County Service Area 3. And so we're trying to get um, people to to pay for the maintenance of these um, these uh, emergency access routes. You know, I've been working with Supervisor Jurdy on uh, the renewable energy network, and that would give rebates for people to get um, more energy efficient appliances. And I've also been um, um, working with the county and, you know, we put $2 million to, to um, for solar panels and energy efficiency in the county. You know, we need to be the models for other industries and governments because what we do in Mendocino County, we can do a little bit, but we can also show people how to do it. And so I'm proud that I've been working with the other supervisors and I think that we have a very um, effective plan for dealing with climate change. All right, Mr. Romero, you have two minutes to talk about drought and climate change. Well, uh, I, I, I'm certainly not a guy that, that, that buys into the whole climate change uh, man-made uh, 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 position. Uh, I know that uh, it, going, going back in, in the not terribly distant past, uh, there was uh, a, a very uh, prevalent uh, belief that we were going to be going into a new ice age, and that was on the cover of Time magazine in 1985. Uh, then it, then it, it, it shifted to people asserting that we were going into global warming. And uh, when that was having some skepticism about that, it was later changed to uh, global climate change. Now, I know it's a, it's a big issue in the United States, and I hear it very often, as many people do. But I've also had the, the good opportunity to go into the Philippines and I asked them about what their concern about uh, a man-made uh, global climate change. Uh, these are people that are very, very hot. It's very humid. But yet it's not it's just not a huge issue there. And they and they look at us as as if uh, they're, they're just wondering, how can we even say that? And, and the, generally, they're hotter there than we are, at least in this part part of the world. But um, I, I can cite there was a book that was put out by a Mr. Singer. I'm sorry, I don't I don't recall the, the name of the book, but uh, he was one that was uh, justifiably very skeptical of, of uh, man-made climate change. And I, and I think there's good reason for it. And I don't think that we should uh, uh, put forth uh, money uh, for something that is just not simply verifiable i i think that uh, people really need to uh, keep that in mind and, and to stop demoralizing people that the world's going to end and we're going to all starve to death and these sorts of things it's it's, it's going to kill people as a result thank you all right mr hashcheck you have one minute to respond well speaking of killing people as a result what we're seeing is um, climate change we're seeing the greatest largest fires in the history of California. I think what the three largest fires were in the last five years. We've seen it in Mendocino County where we had the first over million acre fire. You know, if you can sit here and say that that's not due to climate change, then um, we've got some issues. So, so anyway, what the county has done and has tried to be proactive in in doing some of the things that most all experts would agree are 
our solutions, you know, moving away from fossil fuels, moving towards electric energy, trying to um, create healthy forests, fuel reduction, um, all those things we need to be working on because it's the protection of our own lives. All right, Mr. Romero, you have a minute. I do will let the call listeners know we had somebody call in. I put you on hold uh, and stay on hold, and then I will pick you up. 707-895-2448 if you'd like to call in with a question. Now, Mr. Romero will have one minute to respond. Uh, yeah. Um, the uh, I, I think that uh, the, uh, the expenditure of, of money to somehow fight uh, global climate change is probably not going to be very effective. And I don't think that, that he can offer any sort of measurable result uh, for this. Uh, I know that uh, we, we have had some, some very bad fires, but uh, a lot of this can be uh, uh, taken back to how there's been very poor forest management over, over a number of years. And that, that has certainly taken its toll. But uh, you know, going going back, I've actually, I don't have it here immediately in front of me, but I, I've been collecting uh, uh, newspaper clippings that were uh, put forth by people that were buying into global warming. And anyway, they all ended up being not true. So thank you. All right. We have some callers. I'm going to take a caller right now. Hello, caller. You're on the air. What's your name and what is your question? My name is Nathan. Hi, Nathan. Um, and my question is, it seems to me that the biggest issue facing the county at this point right now is revenue, money. So what are, are, are these guys, supervisors, going to do um, to create more revenue in the county? Um, see, it would seem to me that way which we could create that would be to allow more people to do things like growing marijuana and having um, VRBO and camping on their property. And I'm sure there's a million other things, but, you know, so just wondering, like, uh, how are they going to generate more revenue for the county so that we can get our roads fixed and we can do all these things that we need to do? All right. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, the question goes to you, uh, Mr. Romero, two minutes to answer the question about generating more income in the county. Yeah, uh, thank you, Nathan. That That is something that uh, I, I've given uh, some thought to. Uh, rather than penalize people when they're going to uh, seek out a permit, I, I'm very, very much in favor to incentivizing at, that they can uh, that they can move forward their, with their with their projects of whatever they want to do. Now, I know that by giving people a break on their property taxes when they pull out a permit, I think is a, is a step in the right direction. Now, I know initially that this will be, this will create uh, more of a shortfall in the in the immediate revenue that it, that would come into the the county. But in the long term, it would it would pay off big dividends because the people by by improving their property, by doing things better, by, by unshackling them basically from the county, county, this will allow them to improve their property, which will end up being a much bigger benefit to uh, uh, the, the county uh, raising more funds in order to do it. 
Uh, so I'm, I'm very, very big on incentivizing and, and making sure that they go ahead. I want to see the building department to be far, far more proactive to make sure that the, the people have what they need because I don't want to see people being left hanging for too long. They've, they've simply got to uh, get going with whatever project they have. As long as it's legal and it's honorable, uh, I, I want to see it move forward. I certainly uh, uh, favor giving, just getting off the backs of these, these guys because when they make their property better, it's going to increase the value of their property and ultimately they'll end up paying more in property taxes, which will benefit the county. Thank you. All right. Mr. Hashchak, you have two minutes to talk about generating revenue in the county. Well, yeah, the best way to generate revenue is to have a vibrant economy. And um, some of the things I've been working on are, you know, career and technical education. You know, I think that Mr. Romero, he's a machinist, and that's a skill that we should be teaching. You know, I certainly welcome Mr. Romero to, you know, teach a class on that. Um, I, I also worked with the um, Mendocino College to get the um, EMT and paramedic um, class going. I've worked with Senator McGuire in getting other classes going and MCOE to um, help with career and technical education throughout high school and college and adults. Um, we've got the broadband issue. You know, the state's putting up almost $7 billion to create the middle mile. We just saw a great presentation on that the other week at the board. You know, we're going to get um, $57 million to do the final mile, the last mile. Um, and, you know, broad can, broadband can be a real um, boost to our economy because more and more people are working online. We've seen with the pandemic what's happened that, that, that there really is a need for broadband. The cannabis, you know, we need to get that program rolling. We've been kind of stuck in the mud for about five years. You know, hopefully it will get, will get people to their annual licenses because that's a driver in our economy throughout the county. I'm proud to be um, endorsed by the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance. And finally, it's drought. You know, unless we get our water situation, water security under control, you know, we can't have too much economic development without a secure water source. And so those are the things I'd be working on, on economic development, career and technical education, broadband, cannabis, and water. All right. I have another caller on hold. If either of you would like your, your one minute for a rebuttal, um, you first, Mr. Romero, or we can move on to the caller we have on hold if you have nothing more to add. Uh, yeah, I would like to offer something, if I may. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, although I, I, I agree that there's there's uh, certainly a lot that has went into the education system and the capabilities in that regard, uh, that in and of itself will generate precisely zero money. The uh, What will generate money is companies kind of like in Willits, we have Metal FX or in Ukiah, uh, we have Ross Liberty at Factory Pipe Products. These are excellent, excellent businesses that provide very good uh, jobs that are for the highly skilled. And, and I think that uh, there, there's really a lot to be said about having more, more of that. And, and I, and as much as I really want to see if I can uh, incentivize and bring back more of the uh, cannabis industry, 
I know there's currently a very bad economy right now where there's very uh, uh, too much of an oversupply condition. It's sort of like trying to sell sand in the desert. All right, Mr. Hashak, if you like, there's a minute. Well, I I think that um, Ross Liberty or you know metal effects and Willets, those people that are focused on manufacturing, one of their biggest needs is skilled people. And unless we train them ourselves, people aren't coming to Mendocino County to work in these um, manufacturing industries. And so what we need to do is we need to train people. We need, you know, Sonoma County has a great training program. We can do the same. You know, it's training people who are homegrown, who have a love for Mendocino County, who want to stay here and want to have a good career. And that's what we need to do with career and technical education. Maybe that's a public school teacher in me, but, you know, I think that's, um, that's the future is making sure that we have our youth and adults trained for the jobs that they want. All right. Well, thank you very much. I've got two people on hold, so I'm going to answer you in the order that you came in. Hello, caller. What's your name and what is your question? Thank you very much. I've got two people on um, Yeah, turn off your radio. Right. Uh, name is Bill, and I had a question for candidate Romero. Would he accept an honorary five-gallon bucket of sand to stick his head in? Uh, no, I'm anybody- sorry. We're not going to go with uh, personal attacks on this uh, forum, so I'm going to move right on to the next caller. Uh-oh. Hello, caller. You are on the air. What's your name? Yeah, yeah my name's Chris. Hi, Chris. And I have a couple questions. One is um, I'm interested in building an accessory dwelling unit, and last time I checked, the uh, county had two pre-approved plan sets and the city of ukiah has three and i would like to know if i can use any of those five or if we have the typical bureaucratic separation where they aren't recognizing each other's plans and what would it take to do that because i kind of like one of the city plans but i'm going to be building in the county and the other question is the construction program at mendocino county i mean at mendocino college since you're talking about training kind of fell apart and i wondered if you had any plans to try and get that opened up again thank you all right mr romero this question goes to you oh boy uh yeah there's 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 uh, several several things going on here it doesn't sound like the county is being very helpful for this man and 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 i and i really think they should be uh you just you just can't have even there, there's this and, and and many other requests that are that are, that are simple to to deal with, but uh, it it really takes it just takes a whole lot more understanding and willingness to to just help the guy out. I mean, how tough could it be? And and stop charging him so much. He's trying to accomplish something good here, and I think it's very important that they that they that the county just steps forward and, and helps the guy out because that, that is what they're there for. They're not there to, to, to hamper the guy, although this is what's been happening for many years. So that's about all I have on that. All right, Mr. Hashcheck. How about those permits and the difficulty yeah, with them? With the AD, ADU additional dwelling units that the board passed a, um, an ordinance allowing for ADUs and that we did create a couple 
I guess there's only two right now in the county that are free for use. So a person wants to build an ADU on their property, they can build it and um, it's pre-approved, okay? And so certainly if the city has three of them that the county should be um, looking, it should seem like they could be transferable. I'll, I'll look into that. I've heard that Sonoma County has about 20 of these ADU plans. And so let's, uh, let's give the people the flexibility, um, a wider range of choices, and I think that's doable. Um, with the construction class at um, the college, I hadn't heard that it was in disarray or anything like that. But um, with the pandemic, and uh, maybe that caused some um, problems with it. I do know that when I started the, um, with the help of Linda Pollock at the high school, I mean, at the college and the College of Siskiyou's, when we started the program for EMT and paramedics, we had 24 slots and there were about 36 people there the first day. Um, so there's certainly a desire for that. And that is to provide those services that we need for ambulances, for greater safety in our communities. So if we can train these people in the county, we will be better off because they're more likely to stay in the county. That was the idea with the construction. That's the idea with the EMT paramedic. Let's get that education going. And uh, I'll certainly work on the ADU issue for you. All right, Mr. Romero, if you'd like, you have a minute. And again, callers, you can call in. I will put you on hold, 707-895-2448. I will not tolerate um, personal attacks. This is not the forum for that. We don't allow that on any of our programs, generally on KZYX. If you have a serious question, please feel free to call in with that for either of the candidates or for both of them generally. All right, Mr. Romero, it's your chance to uh, respond, if you'd like. About uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, very, I very much appreciate what, what, what John just said. Uh, I think that uh, it, 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 is, it is important to, uh, that, they, that they had uh, voted to have the, the ADU program to where people have more flexibility and they could, they could attend to things more easily. I just wish it was that way with other issues, you know, concerning... You know, building certainly building things that relate to cannabis. Um, I've I've been a, a, a staunch supporter for all things that relate to to cannabis, and I and I I want to do everything I can to make that continue on. I, I know it's been very tough for the for the cannabis growers lately. Uh, I would hope that the uh, county is not going to uh, uh, beat these guys up because uh, they're they're hurting pretty badly, and I would want to put a stop to that. I, I want to see things continue on. Thanks. Okay, Mr. Hashtag, you have a minute if you'd like. It seems like the real um, gist of Nathan's question was, you know, efficiency in government. And what are we doing to create more efficiency and how, <clears throat> how we can be more responsive? You know, I've been dealing every day with the cannabis ordinance and the program and trying to get people to their annual licenses. You know, we hear issues with planning and building department and the time it takes for the total review, you know, whether it's environmental review, going through the planning commission. You know, there are lots of hurdles. There is bureaucracy out there. And um, 
you know, a lot of it is really necessary, but can we do it as efficient as possible? And um, I'm open for any kind of ideas that people have that um, could make it more efficient and speed up the process. Um, so anyway, that's, um, that's what I have to say about efficiency. All right. Well, we don't have any uh, calls. Uh, again, you can call in uh, any listeners that want to, 707-895-2448. And you can get your question on the air if you like, but I will move on. Public health, what has the COVID-19 pandemic taught you about access and equity to health care in your district? And what, if anything, needs to change? This goes to you, uh, Mr. Hashcheck. Well, we just have lived through and we're continuing living through this pandemic. Um, it seems like every day there's still a new outbreak happening in our county. And, uh, you know, fortunately, it's not as severe as it was. And we're a little better prepared for it. Um, but one thing I've learned about the pandemic and what we've gone through is the social determinants of health. And in our county, we saw some people who were greatly, some communities that were greatly affected by the pandemic with higher um, COVID rates, with higher mortality rates, with less access to healthcare um, because of the way, you know, their living conditions, their working conditions, um, their, um, how they were living in community. And so, so I'm very proud that I started or helped to start with a gr group of real dedicated people, this um, Promotores de Salud program in Willits. We took the Nuestra Alianza group that was working in the Hispanic community, and they, they agreed to take on this um, Promotores de Salud as a pilot program for the county. The idea was to outreach to the Hispanic community and other communities to create or to educate people about COVID, to educate them about the vaccine, to get them vaccinated. And I think that that really helped um, kind of um, reduce the disparities that were happening between the Hispanic community and the um, Caucasian community. And so that was a successful effort. And what we need to do is extend that throughout the county with a community health worker program. All right, Mr. Romero, two minutes. What uh, has COVID-19 pandemic taught you? And uh, what do you think about access to health care in our district? Anything need to change? Uh, you know, I, I think I think it's, it's good for uh, uh, responsible government officials to let people know uh, what uh, what kind of a disease is coming down the road to them and what they, what they need to do. But as soon as the government, uh, whether at the local or state level, is going to uh, require things of people or they're going to be incarcerated, uh, mandatory vaccinations, anything like this, I, I just flatly have to uh, oppose. Uh, this, is, this is an overstepping of, of I think, people's rights. I think it's a, a wholly irresponsible thing to do. Now, I uh, I certainly want to see uh, 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 people uh, stay safe. I think uh, it's it's wise if if there's a serious illness going around that 
that people stay apart from each other. I think that uh, it would also be wise to uh, be aware of any sort of symptoms that you may get. But with the COVID virus, I, I think this one really, really got overblown. And as a result, uh, there's people that in some ways have, have died as, as a result of that. I think people, people's uh, health has suffered. Uh, I know that, you know, because I design and make all kinds of things, that like the masks that people wear, they can't possibly be wearing a mask for six or seven hours a day. This is, a, this is a, an extremely foolish thing to do. And the masks don't work, work well at, at that rate. Uh, the master would probably be fine for, uh, say, maybe an hour on the outside, but anything beyond that is creating a warm, humid environment in front of people's faces, which would cause problems. All right. If that's uh, the end of yours, uh, Mr. Haschak, you have uh, one minute to respond. When the pandemic happened, I was the chair of the board, and we had to have meetings every night to get updated on what was happening, what the county was doing. I saw a tremendous effort on the, you know, on the part of the CEO, on the part of the board members and the staff, especially the staff. And because we had so many unknowns going on, we didn't know if we were going to have mass mortalities. We didn't know um, what was going to happen. We didn't have a vaccine. And so we were doing the very best we could. And I think that the staff of Mendocino County did a tremendous job in keeping people safe. Our numbers are lower than the average in um, California. And certainly California is lower than the average in the United States. And so overall, I think we did a pretty good job with all the unknowns. All right, Mr. Romero, if you'd like, you've got one minute. Well, uh I don't have the figures right here in front of me. I used to know them off the top of my head because I, I, it was something I, I did follow. But uh, I am aware that uh, some of the, the uh, reports that I heard, at, at first it was rumor that, oh, uh, somebody uh, had died of COVID, but he actually got run over by a truck or there was some other, other factor involved in there. And as time went on, I found that uh, some of these reports were in fact true uh, people were being listed as dying from COVID when they, in fact, had some other very significant thing going on that resulted in their in their demise. So uh, I think that there's uh, perhaps a push uh, by people in government to uh, to uh, uh, forward uh, this this along for their own personal advancement. That's a that's as, as much as I can say on that. All right, I've got some people on hold, so we'll move on to questions from callers. Hello, caller, you're on the air. What is your name, and what is your question? Hello, are you there? Hello, caller, you're on the air. What's your name, and what is your question? Oh, we've had both callers apparently drop out. Oh. Um, so that's uh, no good. I put you on hold, folks. Just stick around. You should be able to hear what's going on with... Uh, with the uh, talk that we've got going on here, if you would like to call in, 707-895-2448, and I will get you on the air. Last time, uh, right when I started reading the question, the phone's lit up, so I'm going to 
pause a little bit here in case somebody wants to call in before I move on to another question. Um, I believe this, oh, here we go. Hello, caller, you're on the air. What's your name and what is your question? Uh, my name is Kathy, and I would like to know if um, uh, there is going to be any progression with Williamson Act property being allowed to have agritourism on their property via camping. All right. Uh, I, I heard that that was supposed to be open. Oh, you're, you're breaking up, caller, but I think we got the gist. You're wondering about the Williamson Act and camping on property, a bit like uh, Airbnb for people to rent out space on their property for camping. And um, I believe this is for you, Mr. Hashcheck. Yeah, I guess I, I would need to know more about this. I haven't heard about um, any kind of waiver or... Uh, inclusion of camping uh, in as part of the Williamson Act. The Williamson Act is for agriculture and to keep ag lands as ag lands, and so it's a it's a um, lowering of the taxes for for those lands in ag production. And um, I haven't heard about this um, camping aspect of it. I would like to look at um, the Williamson Act and how we can use it to promote small time agriculture so right now i think you need 40 acres to be in the williamson act and what can we do to promote um, the small you know vegetable farmers and agriculture in our county all right mr romero uh yeah you know i i, I uh agree with john what he's saying about the uh, the williamson act and uh and it's specific to agricultural lands uh, I very, very much want to see uh, more, more agriculture, more planting, particularly of food items, uh, so as the county can be hopefully more self-sufficient than it currently is in terms of food. I, uh, I, I can well understand where people want to do some, some amount of camping, and, and I think maybe this can be done as kind of a more of a limited thing. Perhaps it would be a good uh, uh, tourism to have people to be able to come to a farm that is grown under the Williamson Williamson Act, where they're where they're actively growing things, and for people to come and camp and, and learn about the farming that they're doing there, I think this would be a a very wonderful uh, 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 tourism aspect. Although, uh, considering the current price of fuel and diesel right now, I'm I'm not too hopeful about the uh, the current state of tourism. I I, I can well understand that there's going to be people that. Well, they just don't want to drive too far to go go enjoy the the great outdoors or in Mendocino County as much, as good as it is. Uh, I'm 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 so hoping that uh, we can make it uh, past these these harsh economic times, but uh, it's it's not looking too good. But we certainly want to do our best to uh, make sure that things can at least continue on, and uh, and I would like to see you know, that, that there's some amount of at least limited camping for, for people to learn more about agriculture. So, yeah, thank you very much. All right, Mr. Hashtag, we'll give you a minute if you'd like. I don't need any time. All right. Well, we'll move on to uh, more phone calls here. 
Hello, caller. What is your name and where are you? Or excuse me, uh, what's your name and what is your question? Well, this is Tom from Little River. Hello, Tom. And I would like to ask each candidate, do you believe that Donald Trump won the 2020 election? All right. We'll uh, start with Mr. Romero with this question. Uh, you, you know, it's so hard to nail these sorts of things down, but I would have to say, yeah, I, I think I think he did actually win it. Uh, there was certainly a huge preponderance of uh, ballots that, that arrived, uh, you know, well after the, the closing date of many poll places. Uh, I have probably maybe 10, 10 hours worth of videotape of uh, uh, state house hearings that I've, I've went over and looked at very carefully. There was poll, uh, poll workers that had legitimate uh, questions about what was going on in these key states. Uh, these issues, uh, to my knowledge, were really never looked into or verified. Uh, it, it just as an example, I can remember one poll watcher reporting that she had received in these thousands and thousands and thousands of absentee mail ballots, and she was questioning it because they had never been folded. So I know that they had never been in an envelope. Uh, there was also the question in Pennsylvania, as I recall, where uh, Pennsylvania, they issued 1.8 million ballots, but yet they received two and a half million ballots back. Uh, this is cause for concern. So uh, based upon that, uh, considering that uh, uh, Donald uh, Trump was, was so far ahead at the time, I, I find it absolutely amazing that someone like Joe Biden, who really had far, far less uh, uh, support uh, than his predecessor, uh, uh, Barack Obama, that I, I, I find it pretty amazing that, that he would actually pull off the election and with all these other things going on. So, no, I, I think there was a good possibility Donald Trump had won the election. All right, Mr. Hashchak, do you believe that Donald Trump won the election? Wow. So, so I'm an American and I believe that we have a, a constitution, and I think um, the former president challenged a lot of the ballots, and all the courts threw it out, said that there was no evidence of uh, misdeeds or thousands of these ballots or whatever Mr. Romero is talking about. And so... Um, you know, I, I believe that um, Mr. Biden got 80 million votes and Trump got 75 million votes. He lost. He he lost the Senate. He lost the um, House. And he's a big loser. So so anyway, um, you know, but the bigger question is, you know, what is what is this country going towards when we don't have agreement on the Democratic process and we don't have agreement on the elections and the validity of elections that's what for me is really scary and um, what i've seen is um, people in the elections doing their very best um, to make sure that they're fair and honest and um, and um, you know we need to get people to vote and i hope that people do vote but um, really the issue is how do we preserve our democracy at this point, because we have um, a lot of forces trying to overthrow the democracy, 
We saw that on January 6th, and um, we're seeing that continually attacks on um, people's right to vote and, um, and the whole system of democracy that we have. All right, Mr. Romero, if you like, you have one minute to respond. Uh, yeah, I, I, w- I would like to, to, to respond. Um, I think what, what uh, people were calling an insurrection on January 6th, it, it, it wasn't. Uh, they certainly, I think they had a riot. Uh, I think that people that, uh, that violate the, uh, the, the houses of government like they did, uh, at least some people did, was uh, completely uncalled for, and they should be taken to task for that. But there was other people there that were legitimately concerned. They believed that uh, the election was not was not uh, not validly done. Uh, it, I've known for a very long time, and this has been uh, supported by other people in the past, that to have universal mail-in balloting is is a recipe for voter fraud. I know just in our own county, I, I got my voter list. I looked through it very carefully. I found. Uh, there was at least a, a couple people that have already passed on, and then there's other people that are, well, we're done. <laughs> All right. I have some more callers on hold here, so I will move right along to them. Oh, actually, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Hashcheck, you have a minute to respond if you'd like. Oh, I, I think I've said my piece. <laughs> you know, it's, it's democracy versus fascism at this point. All right. Well, that caller just uh, dropped off. Um, if you'd like to call back, 707-8. Here we go. Hello, caller. What's your name and what is your question? Uh, my name is Barbara. Hello, Barbara. Oh, boy, that almost derailed me. Um, I have uh, a statement I would like to make, a short one, and Very also short. a question, question for Mr. Romero. Um, when I moved to Mendocino County in 1995, there were 30... Oh, goodness. I made a mistake. My bad. Uh, Barbara, I will put you right at the front here if you will call back. I am so sorry. I was uh, putting other people on hold and dropped you off. Hello, is this Barbara? Yes. Hi, Barbara. Yes. I'm uh, sorry about that. Yeah, no, that was my fault. Go ahead. Okay, so I would like to make a statement and yep. see if Mr. Romero would agree with it. Um, in 1995, I moved to Mendocino County. There were 37 registered sex offenders in Laytonville at the time. There are more now. It sounds like Mr. Romero would want any woman in Laytonville, Willis, or Covalo who is raped, an incest subject to uh, a failed condom, an incest victim, regardless of the existence or lack of existence of a responsible male willing to commit to raising a child, should carry that embryo to term regardless of her wishes, circumstances, or health. Is that true, Mr. Romero? All right. Thank you, caller. We'll let him respond. Go ahead, Mr. Romero. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that, you know, I, 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 I was trying to follow it there, but I, I think what you're saying is, 
if somebody were to be uh, to be raped, basically what you're saying, or, or perhaps incest, that that uh, this is a, uh, a justification for having an abortion. Uh, I would, you know, on something like that, I would I would certainly hope that that the woman would would attend to this this immediately. You, you, you just you just don't want to wait, you know, a, a month, you know, before attending this because that's that's too long because there's already a life going on here. And so I, I I tentatively, you know, agree with what you're talking about. And I certainly want to want to see them not be subject to something that they had no intention of doing, because that that, of course, is wrong. But it's also something that needs to be attended to very promptly before before you know it gets too late because then we are no longer talking about just the mother but now the unborn child at that point so it has to be very 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 prompt uh th- thank you though for, for for voicing that and, I, and I, uh, I i do think about these things and uh and I'm, I'm very mindful of it yeah thank you all right uh mr hashcheck how would you respond to that question a woman has a right to uh of choice and we need to respect that right we need to it's a right that you know the supreme court said it was a constitutional right and for the supreme court to now back off because we have these radical judges on there is um, is a scary development in our democracy so i'm glad to hear that mr romero is pro-choice and um i'll leave it at that all right. Uh, Mr. Romero, if you'd like, you have one more minute to add or rebut anything that you heard. Well, I, I think I think uh, uh, John saying uh, that I'm pro-choice is, is really not accurate. I'm, I'm very much a pro-life kind of guy. And I, and I want to see that that continue on. Uh, I, I know that it's difficult to determine if someone is actually you know, pregnant early on. And, and, and therein lies therein lies the question. Uh, so, but, but I'm also, you know, mindful that, uh, you know, obviously if somebody has, uh, encountered, uh, a, a, a horrible or, or, or horrific thing that, that, that came about, they'd, they'd want to get, you know, in, inspected and, 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 and dealt with it immediately before things get too far. And, and we're talking just a matter of a few days, if at all possible. So, uh, but I no I, to say that I'm pro-choice. That that's not really true. I'm I'm more of a pro-life guy. Thank you. All right, Mr. Hashek, you have one minute if you would like it. No, I don't have any comment. All right, I will take the next caller then. Hello, caller, you're on the air. What's your name and what is your question? Uh, please turn off your radio. Hello. Hello. Uh, my name is Dennis. Hi, Dennis. Hi, I have two questions for Mr. Romero. Um, water is a big issue in this county, and at a previous meeting, I heard uh, Mr. Romero mention the prospect of raising Scott Dam uh, for more water supply. So my two questions to Mr. Romero are, one, have you ever visited the River Right Bank of Scott Dam to see that the abutment is set in serpentine, which is pretty much the opposite end of competent bedrock that an engineer would want to build on. And the second question is, 
Has he ever had an engineer or engineering geologist evaluate the feasibility of raising Scott Dam? Thank you. Okay. Uh, no, no, I, I haven't actually seen it. Uh, I, I certainly look forward to seeing it. I, I want to. I, I do want to know more about it. I think it's. It, it is a possibility. It was something that uh, I learned about from uh, my my good friend uh, John John Pinches, who who had originally suggested that. I think this is a, a good and, and, and valid consideration. Uh, I think that there's things that can be done to uh, to support this. Uh, I know that uh, it would take. Uh, someone that that is a more uh, seasoned geologist to to determine this in its final, but I think it, it really uh, it, it warrants uh, some merit, and I think uh, it should be looked at. And I, I think I think this could actually be doable. But you know, there's geological considerations here that have to have to take be taken into consideration too. So yeah, thank you very much for the call. I really appreciate that. All right, Mr. Hashtag, if you'd like to talk about water in the county and uh, plans for that. Well, we certainly have water issues in our county, and I've been on the drought task force for working on it for over the last year. We brought in $23.3 million into the county for water projects over the last year. Um, and what we need to do is uh, we need to increase our storage capacity. We need to create interties between different water agencies. We need to improve the efficiency of our, like they're doing in Fort Bragg with the $8 million project to increase the efficiency of their water pipes. Um, and we need to study the, what, the water that we have. We need to find out what the quantity is in our aquifers and the quality of that water. Um, Mr. Romero talks about raising Scott Dam. Well, I think he might be a little off target because I've talked to the people who've been intimately involved with the Potter Valley Project. No one is talking about um, increasing Scott Dam. You know, there's talk about taking Scott Dam down because of concerns about uh, the engineering of it and its stability. There's talk about increasing the Coyote Dam. Maybe that's what he's talking about, but no one is talking about increasing Scott Dam. So, you know, we have a lot of work on water to do. You know, I've been working on extraction of um, and uh, making sure that our aquifers are um, sustainable. And so there's lots of concern out there about what to do with water. But what Mr. Romero is talking about is certainly not one of them. Let's work on um, getting a water agency up and running. I just had a meeting about that today. And we, we have lots of projects that we can do that will um, provide sustainability and economic development for our county. All right. Well, we have come to the top of the hour. And to be fair, we need to get in our final statements. You will each have three minutes uh, for your final statements. I am sorry, callers, we don't have time for any more, but thank you for the ones that we did have. Um, so, uh, Mr. Romero, since you started off uh, with your opening statement, we'll let you uh, you'll go first, and then Mr. Hashcheck will be able to do his uh, after yours. You have three okay, minutes. Very well, W. Dan. I, I really appreciate you uh, doing this, and, and for all the help that Alicia put into putting it together, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful. Uh, I have met many people that have endorsed my campaign, and I'm very grateful for their support. 
but you would not find me mentioning their their names or positions here. My, uh, my supporters are they're not sheep that follow the crowd. They are wonderful, brilliant people who believe in my cause and campaign. Uh, they believe in self-reliance, hard work, and making Mendocino County better, not just for themselves, but their families, their friends, their neighbors. They value their constitutional rights and are not misled by the errant judgments of anyone. So it is for the people of Mendocino County that I stand up and defend common sense, fairness, and a deep desire to have a more robust economy with safety and water, food, energy, and jobs. I'm very big on self-reliance. I can do this, and I'm very thankful for your help. So uh, please tell your friends and family to vote for me. I'm Clay Romero. That'll be on Election Day is June 7th. Uh, so don't let that day pass by without your good voice being heard. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the calls that called in tonight. Thank you very much. All right, Mr. Haschak, you have three minutes. Well, thank you and for this program tonight. I'm John Haschak. I'm running for re-election as third district supervisor. Um, you know, my campaign slogan has been building stronger communities together. And that's what it's all about. You know, it's not one supervisor. It's not even five supervisors that are building this county and trying to improve it. It's all of us working together. Um, you know, I've been working every day for the last three and a half years on good government, a vibrant economy, and safer communities. And with that, it hasn't been just me. It's been a load of people, you know, and that's why I'm endorsed by, you know, our congressman, State Senator McGuire, Assemblymember Wood, Sheriff Kendall, former Sheriff Allman, you know, Saprina Rodriguez, who's the mayor of Willits, Mad Strong, and Jerry Gonzalez from the Willits City Council. I've been endorsed by each and every member of the Brook Trails Board. Um, I've been endorsed by the uh, Mary Norris Acado Tribe Chair in Laytonville and the chairs of the uh, Municipal Advisory Councils in Round Valley and in Laytonville. I'm also endorsed by um, you know, the SEIU 1021, which is a county employees union, and also 2015, SEIU 2015, which is the in-home health care workers. The Mendocino Women's Political Coalition just endorsed me yesterday, and um, I'm endorsed by the um, North Bay Labor Council, the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance, and the Covalo Cannabis Advocacy Group. You know, these are all people, they're groups that are working together. And it's only working together that we can make this a better county. I, I really ask for your support. Um, and I've really been honored these last three and a half years to be the county super, or supervisor for District 3. You know, it, it's public service has been my life. And um, I hope to continue it on for another term. And so with that, you know, I'm John Haschak. You can find out more about me at haschak.us. That's my website. You can email me at soupjh2022. That's S-U-P-E-J-H 2022 at gmail.com. Or you can call me at 707-513-6166. I'm available. And if you have any questions or comments about this, um, please contact me. But 
the important thing is get out and vote on or before June 7th. So thank you very much. Vote John Haschek for supervisor. All right, and that concludes the debate between uh, John Haschak and Clay Romero for third district supervisor. Uh, we here at KZYX encourage you to consider your choices and to vote. I do need to bring up that there was a question about the security of ballots, and I uh, have read a bit, and we have 306 counties in this uh, great nation of ours, and None of them reported any major fraud, and they all certified their elections, so you can count on mailing in your ballot and that it is going to be counted. Your ballot is has a, uh, a specific marker number, uh, a barcode, I believe, that uh, is tied to your address and your signature and you personally. And that is uh, taken very seriously in this county. I know several people who deal with the election, so you can count on your vote being counted so we encourage you to vote no one likes us this podcast was produced by kzyx fm mendocino county public broadcasting local community radio from mendocino county california if you enjoyed the program and you'd like to hear more in northern california you can tune in anytime to kzyx at 90.7 fm in philo kzyz at 91.5 fm in willits and ukiah and 88.1 fm in fort bragg if you're listening to this podcast from further away, we also stream live 24 hours a day at kzyx.org, where you can hear our eclectic range of locally produced music, public affairs, and news, along with daily state and national news programs and breaking news. You can also find out how to become a member to keep KZYX on the air. Thank you for listening. <laughs>